Blog Talk Radio. This is the May 22nd, 2015 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and sometimes culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism is the philosophy that uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and I see we have a lot of the usual suspects here in the chat room this evening. I really appreciate it on this Memorial Day weekend. Um, I see Daniel, who we've had sometimes around in the chat room I've seen in the past. We have Chief Justice John Roberts, without whom the show could never start. I actually should stop calling him Chief Justice John Roberts because maybe I'll get some libel case or something because we know that the real Chief Justice John Roberts would not listen to the show. Uh, John Stewart here in the chat room. Happy Memorial Day says Daniel. Uh, By the way, in terms of a really good Memorial Day themed show, you will want to listen to Yaron Brooks' show on Monday. He plans to talk about military service and selfishness. And I do believe that those two can be combined, that when you talk about actually serving in the military, that it does not have to be, it should not be a sacrifice. And I'm your own is going to have a lot of good things to say about that, I am sure. Just Jean, big fan, Rob Abiera, and Selfishness. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Rob, I was going to ask you, and I think you were planning on going to an event at which Senator Ted Cruz was going to be giving talks. Is that right? Go ahead and type in the chat room if you do. Um, oh, actually... It's funny, here on the Blog Talk Radio chat room, there's a little kind of a snoozy icon next to people who aren't very active on their computers, so we may not hear from Rob, but I recall that he was planning on attending an event in Oklahoma where they were going to have uh, Ted Cruz, among other people, yeah, Southern Republican Leadership Conference, and then at the last minute, Cruz and maybe some others pulled out because they all had to go back and vote on Patriot Act and other NSA privacy-related legislation this weekend, right? Oh, you weren't going to go anyway, too expensive. Okay, okay, well, that makes sense. Um, But it's, I mean, it's a bummer that, of course, he wasn't able to attend. I bet there were a lot of people who signed up to go to this conference, assuming that Ted Cruz would be there and then couldn't. Uh, Now, Rob says it's just a plot by McConnell, and then you're going to have to tell me what you think that McConnell is plotting. 
<laughs> Stuart says, I don't like the snoozy icon because it makes me think I'm the one putting them to sleep. Well, actually, it would make me think that I'm putting them to sleep, but I don't actually think that. I think sometimes, and I've done this in the past when I'm listening to some kind of a show, maybe I'll put a show on the computer and then I'll just go do some dishes. So then I'm not active on the computer and maybe the computer thinks I'm not very active, but I'm still listening. So it could be that. Oh, Rob says he's trying to sabotage the tea partiers. Yeah. That could definitely be true. I actually wonder whether, you know, going ahead and trying to save the Patriot Act is going to have much of an effect, right? Because they've recently passed this legislation that Justin Amash, of course, has been very vocal criticizing, in which in the legislation itself, they're entrenching some of the very practices that they would be trying to save in the Section 215 Patriot Act. I'm wondering whether it's all entirely moot but i guess we're going to find out in the course of time as it stands the last thing i heard is that there was going to be nsa related privacy legislation that they would be voting on 1 a.m eastern time on a saturday of a three-day memorial day weekend they're doing something that they want to bury that they want people not to look at too closely and we're going to have to see exactly what it is after they do it, unfortunately. The other person who's trying to get away with stuff this weekend, again, if you go over to my blog over at don'tletitgo.com, I finally do have program notes up again for tonight's show. You can take a look at all the different stories. The theme for tonight is privacy and security. Can we have them again? And why? Because there's just so many stories that we've seen this week that are giving us a bleak view of whether we're ever going to have any real privacy or real security in this country again, or if not, at least not for a very long time. But you can call in about any of these stories. The number is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And I did hear from cartoonist Bosch Boston, and he said he did plan to phone in at some point during tonight's show. So that'd be cool to hear from him. But all of you are welcome to call in as well. Um, now, there is talk about a movie Tomorrowland here in the chat room. I have not seen it, unfortunately, so I cannot comment on it. You will have to let me know whether you think I actually should see it. Uh, if you guys have seen it, I, I would definitely take a recommendation and go check out a movie. That would be kind of cool. But yeah, do go over to the blog, don'tletitgo.com. And the story is that the first batch of Hillary Clinton and Benghazi emails have been released. You know, Her Highness, as she wants to be called already, she's so devious, um, she handed over to the State Department 55,000 printed pages of the emails that were on her personal server that should not have been on her personal server that she handpicked to hand over to the State Department, and 3,000 or so, just, just under 3,000 of these emails have been released. And the link that I've given you over at don'tletitgo.com is to a blog over at the Wall Street Journal that they have dedicated to going through, basically in real time, these emails and writing up commentary and tagging commentary and all this kind of stuff in there. I looked at it for a while this afternoon and I thought, okay, maybe I'll learn something. It is brain cracking just to even read this blog with little bits of commentary and little tiny snippets of all these different emails and stuff that they've 
looked at so far. And this is just one small bit of proof of the point. And it's the point I made back in March on this show. We had a show which was called Let Them Eat Lies here on Don't Let It Go Unheard back in March. And this is when I first read in the New York Times that Hillary Clinton had planned to turn over all of these emails in the form of 55,000 printed pages. And today I saw a tweet out there on Twitter, apparently Rare, the website Rare, has put some site out there, uh, excuse me, I put an article out there about the fact that this is not transparent, it's devious or something. And again, if you go back and listen to that show, I think it was um, March 13th, you will hear where I was talking about this. This is completely nothing at all but obfuscation. Why? Because why not send these in electronic form? Then they could be searchable, easily browsable, but you give them in the form of 55,000 printed pages, that is a nightmare for anyone to go through. And now they give you a batch of 3,000 of them and it looks like they're just you know document images. Good luck finding useful things in these, it is a nightmare. And, and I think at one point, what the Wall Street Journal was trying to do was recruit people, all of us, we should go to the website where they've released all these things. And it's, a, of course, a very slow operating website and everything else. Someone made a joke about, I did a Freedom of Information Act request about their Freedom of Information Act website or something like that, because the thing is just operating so pitifully slowly. So you say, okay, Everybody go through, look at some of these, and you go ahead and tag them and do this stuff, and then we can all try to make sense of this, you know, trove of probably garbage that Hillary Clinton has released. But this is exactly the same sort of thing that she did at least one time in the past when we know she was trying to hide something, and that was when she was trying to pass Hillary Care. Was it decade over a decade ago? I, how long ago was this? Um, I just remember that Senator Phil Graham was in the Senate and that they were going to have a discussion and I suppose a vote about Hillary Care. Thankfully, it didn't succeed. But she was trying to say, oh, you know, there's no penalties for doctors in here or taxes or I can't remember if it was a prison threat or whatever it was, some sort of horrible penalty for, for doctors. And or, or to new tax or whatever it was. There was some some bad thing that everyone says, yes, it's got to be in that legislation. And she says, no, it isn't. So they turn over this huge, you know, sheaf of printed paper to all the senators to read and try to, you know, get ready to discuss like the night before they were going to have discussion in this in the Senate. And there's no page numbers. There's absolutely no page numbers in this huge stack of paper. And bless his heart, Phil Graham gets on the floor of the Senate and he has the huge stack of paper and he says, okay, the huge stack of paper before you remove any pages at all, the whole stack weighs however many pounds, however many ounces. And then he says, if you go down X number of ounces, take off that many ounces of paper, then you find the first tax, I think it was. And then you do the next one and then there's the next tax and, he, and on and on all the way through. So he doesn't do it by page number, he does it by ounces of paper. And this is the sort of thing that Hillary Clinton tries to do to cover up stuff. So not only did she get to be the one to selectively 
take off of the private server, whatever she wanted to share. Then when she turned it over, she turned it over in the form of these 55,000 printed pages. And she tries to pretend that she's being completely transparent. It is a bunch of garbage. Um, <laughs> Daniel in the chat room says, speaking of eating lies, how long does it take to eat 55,000 pages? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, oh, no, is there a fact-checking website to support Hillary? I can't believe that the Democrats would even do that. Rob Abier in the chat room says that there is a fact-checking website that they want to use to support Hillary. All I know is that even the New York Times had to point out back in March that she turned all these over in the form of printed pages. I mean, that's insane. That is Anyway, so that's what's going on uh, with Hillary. In the other Hillary corruption news, we have this wonderful story this week, and it's from Politico. It is that Clinton Foundation donors include dozens of media organizations and, of course, media individuals. NBC Universal, News Corp, Turner Broadcasting, and Thomson Reuters are among more than a dozen media organizations that have made charitable contributions to the Clinton Foundation in recent years. The donations, which range from the low thousands to the millions, provide a picture of the media industry's ties to the Clinton Foundation at a time with one of its most notable personalities, George Stephanopoulos, is under scrutiny for not disclosing his own $75,000 contribution when reporting on the foundation. Comcast, Time Warner and Viacom, and also Carlos Slim, he's the Mexican telecom magnet and largest shareholder of the New York Times Company, James Murdoch, the chief operating officer of 21st Century Fox. Both Slim and Murdoch have given between 1 million to 5 million respectively. So my question for you is, how much do you want our politicians to be totally in bed with our media where we're supposed to have media, you know, kind of reporting objectively about what our politicians are doing. And, you know, in this case, reporting objectively about the Clinton Foundation, if they're donors, are they going to be objective about this? There is just so much wrong with this woman. And a lot of people think that's it. You know, she's the one who's going to be elected and that's all there is to it. We, people who would like to have a non-liberal are going to have to figure out which candidate we can educate people about. You know, it's funny out there uh, this week, Donald Trump was doing the rounds and he was on Fox news. He was talking with Megan Kelly and he was pathetic. I mean, he was true. Uh, Megan Kelly was excellent as usual, by the way, Megan Kelly is still pressing people on on the issue of Garland. And if you remember, Donald Trump was pathetic. He was uh, criticizing Pamela Geller that really all they were doing is provoking. It wasn't really about free speech at all, et cetera, et cetera. And you learn a little bit more about what might be going on with Donald Trump this week. First of all, he was just totally dismissive of Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly, she described the cartoon that Bosch Faustin drew and she says, look, you know, it's Muhammad and he's saying, uh, you can't draw me. And then the cartoonist says, that's why I draw you. And this is the single point that this cartoon makes, right? It's not gratuitously offensive, vulgar, anything like some cartoons are. It is making this singular point 
on behalf of freedom of expression. She is there explaining it to Trump and Trump just dismisses it, shows he's not receptive at all, total. Now, in another part of the interview, he brags about the fact that he's doing all this great business in Dubai. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this guy is bought and sold, completely bought and sold. And, you know, he can he can criticize Obama's foreign policy with ISIS and Iraq and stuff, which is what he was doing. And, you know, he in vague terms, he sounded okay there. But if you think about the fact that, you know, he's got the completely wrong idea about Garland, that he is probably pretty much beholden to a lot of people who are hiring him to do stuff in Dubai. I don't want this guy. I don't want this guy at all. Now, not that Trump was anybody's serious candidate, but we have got to get somebody good who can beat Hillary on our side. We, it is just important. Oh, yeah. Pig fan in the chat room says that he called the event inappropriate. Yeah, inappropriate. And Jeb Bush as well. Now, I thought it was a little bit strange. The only time I've seen Ted Cruz, I think, on one time on Megyn Kelly since Garland. And I think it was after Jeb Bush. And so she asked him to comment on Jeb Bush's, you know, discussion of Iraq and how pathetic and everything. But he didn't ask Cruz about Garland. And I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but I would have loved to have seen Cruz speak about Garland on Megyn Kelly in somewhat the same way that he did when he was at an event. Apparently he said, oh, those two guys got sent to their 72 virgins or whatever it was, which was the perfectly awesome kind of comment that we would want from a, a actual true American politician, but he did not uh, comment on it on Fox. And I would, I would have loved to have seen that, but we do, we have to, we have to get someone strong in 2016. And it just seems more and more apparent, especially as we're going to see this week, uh, just within the last couple of days, some of the developments with ISIS. We need someone who is going to take care of this in the best possible way. And the one who has the best articulated foreign policy who's out there right now is Cruz. So now Rob Abiera sent me this story via, via the Don't Let It Go on her page on Facebook. And it was that the Patriot Act was supposedly in jeopardy as the house skips town. Um, they're saying that the Patriot Act has barely more than a week to live. You know, this is reminding me of a budget deal, right? You know, oh my gosh, they all have to get together and make sure that they scrape it together. They have to have a budget. They have to raise the debt ceiling or the sky is going to fall, this kind of thing. So now they're saying, okay, if they don't renew the Patriot Act, then Obama's going to lose all his toys, and wouldn't that be horrible, right? Obama just wants to keep all those toys. As much as he talks about he's going to increase protections for our privacy and everything else, he wants to keep all of his toys. And right now, it seems like the way that he's trying to get to keep all of his toys is by having the telecommunications companies there themselves keep all that metadata, right? They have to collect it, and then somehow he's going to keep trying to have the same kind of access to it. Um, but now they're talking about this Patriot Act. Um, it's looking like, you know, it's looking doubtful that Congress can come to terms on a plan to save it. So what happens if they don't pass it in time? Does the NSA just kind of shut down for a little while um, while they wait for it to pass? Is it like, 
you know, it's an NSA shutdown. And then suddenly they're not looking at my computers and we all have privacy for like a few days. Is that what happens? I mean, I think we would love that, right? If we all get privacy for a few days, that would be awesome. Uh, from what I understand from the FBI, it's not like these particular programs that are authorized by the Patriot Act have had any effect on curbing terrorism. So I don't think it's going to be that. I think it just might be that we'll have privacy, you know, like we could all do like Skype sex or something for like a weekend and nobody would be watching. It would just be awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> Sorry, you have to excuse my sense of humor at this hour. Um, but yeah, now it says the top Senate Republicans have been scrambling for a way to keep the controversial surveillance methods intact but the House left town without any sign that they're going to throw the Senate a lifeline. Unless Congress intervenes, key provisions of the controversial post-9-11 anti-terrorism law will lapse after May 31st. Oh, the horror. All those NSA guys are going to be so bored. Anyway, they teed up a weekend showdown over the surveillance program, setting up votes on competing proposals, a popular House bill that would rein in the NSA bulk program. That's the one that uh, Amash was talking about. And then a two-month extension of all the expiring Patriot Act provisions. That's probably what they're going to end up doing, right? The two-month extension, who knows? Uh, they're going to hold the vote Saturday, 1 a.m. It says, unless every senator, including opponents, such as Senator Rand Paul, who did this 10 and a half hour talkathon, if you remember that, unless they agree to speed it up. Um, and he says he'd be open to moving the reauthorization bill to the floor before Saturday, but no, it wasn't going to happen. So right now, as far as I know, it's 1 a.m. on Saturday that they're going to take up this stuff, which is pretty nutty. Uh, Rand Paul was tweeting out that I guess he was going to be there, but I don't know what his 10 and a half hours actually did accomplish. Um, you know, I mean, what's the bigger picture here? The big picture is most freedom-loving people, most people who believe in rights agree that we need to end bulk metadata collection. And then the question is, how? How do we do it? And they want to do it via either legislation or the lack thereof. So if, for instance, the Patriot Act provisions expire, as I understand it, and there's no substitute legislation that would authorize those programs, those programs actually would not be authorized by law wouldn't be prohibited either so they might be in very shaky ground and i could see obama trying to get away with doing it but they wouldn't be authorized either if they go ahead and they pass in the senate this act that they passed in the house then what i understand is going to happen is it's not going to be the government doing the bulk metadata collection it'll just be verizon and all the other companies collecting the bulk metadata and yeah, and actually Amash is apparently telling reporters that they are not going to pass the short-term extension, that all you can get is this other bill that they've passed in the House. So there what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, okay, instead of, you know, the Patriot Act, you're going to have the USA Freedom Act. And, you know, again, these, these things are named the total opposite of what they are. Uh, freedom? No, it means Verizon is forced to collect all this data, more data than they would ever do for any rational business purpose. And then the government is going to get access to it in much the same way as it did before. Um, to me, all of this is completely 
backwards. There should be absolutely no bulk metadata collection, no bulk data collection of any kind. And by bulk data collection, I mean no probable cause, no particularized suspicion. You need at least some level of cause and some level of particularized suspicion, even in a climate like today, where essentially we're at war, we're in an undeclared war, but you need something in order to justify the collection of data about American citizens. Um, so this, it's completely wrong. And then what they've been doing lately is, is Obama has been saying, no, we, we got to keep collecting. We got to keep collecting. But what we'll do to make Americans think that we're really protecting their privacy more is we'll put more restrictions on access to the data that is collected. And to me, I think this is entirely wrong because what Obama is doing is saying, okay, let's collect data about everybody. So everybody incurs an invasion of privacy. And then let's make it harder to get the information about suspected terrorists. What I would like to do is to do a broad collection about people who have connections to terrorism, which they can establish. It's not going to be bulk, but it's going to, you know, could be fairly broad and you would have a certain level of suspicion and connection and everything else that would, you know, would fit, but go ahead and then collect that and have more access to that. Don't make it as hard to get access. He's doing exactly the opposite. He's saying, let's collect on everybody and then let's make it harder to get court orders to access the data that could actually really help us find terrorists. And you know, to me it is, it's entirely backwards. And all this legislation that they're working on to me is entirely, entirely beside the point. And it's not just from a philosophical perspective, it is from a legal perspective that I say that. It's because we need to make this happen in the courts. We need the courts to reassert the fact that the Fourth Amendment does apply to information that you share with a third party. The mere fact that you share information with Verizon doesn't mean that you have no privacy interest in it and our court needs to recognize it. It has misapplied the so-called third-party doctrine to innocent people for decades now, and it just needs to stop. And all of this stuff that they're doing, all these congressmen running through Congress and stuff this weekend, they could be home with their families this weekend and not making our lives miserable if only the courts would do their job, overturn this third-party doctrine, revamp this whole area of privacy here. Um, now, just Jean in the chat room is talking about a term that I've never heard before, actually. It's called privacy inequality. We need to stamp out privacy inequality along with income inequality. Now, income inequality, I, I think I think actually in a proper society, you would have both. You'd have both privacy inequality and income inequality, unfortunately. And, and, and here's why. Um, you know, in a society where you are trading with each other, you're specializing in whatever you're producing, you're trading with your fellow man. Um, she says, I just made it up. <laughs> you uh, just changed. She didn't want me to go into a lecture. She just made it up here. Um, but you would, you'd have privacy inequality, you know? Um, so for example, um, like, you know, if you have a little bit more resources, you can afford a covered closed garage versus just an open parking spot or something 
So when people drive by, they know what type of car you drive if you can't afford to have it in a closed garage. I mean, that's just like one example. Um, maybe, you know, anyway, the, the, the more money you have, kind of the more privacy giving things you can afford to have. Um, you know, celebrities, poor celebrities often try to have weddings in some place out in the open and then like the helicopters are coming and stuff. But I guess if you're like super fabulously wealthy, then you can have a wedding somewhere outdoors and evade all the paparazzi and figure out how to do it so that only authorized people can be there and actually take photographs of your wedding, stuff like this. Um, the more money you make, the less privacy you get, says John. It does depend. I mean, you know, there are these people who really have figured it out. Um, there, there are ways to do it that are out there. So, um, John, if if uh, if you write me, I can give you some tips uh, from people that I know. I don't want to bore everybody here with a a lecture. <laughs> um, but it, a lot of it is true. There's a lot of people who make a lot of money who have absolutely no privacy, particularly celebrities. There's some others, I guess, who do decently well, and they have figured out how to uh, to get a little bit more privacy out there. It all depends on how, definitely on how you handle it. Um, but yeah, all of this I think is just a fabulous waste. We really need to see what the court is going to say about bulk metadata collection, how it relates or doesn't relate to the Fourth Amendment. In the meantime, we have the FBI admitting that no major cases have been cracked with Patriot Act snooping powers. Uh, thanks for Rob for sending that along. But this is not really a huge surprise. When you are indiscriminately collecting data, it, it's kind of like a garbage in, garbage out. If you're collecting data about known targets, then you're going to get something. Um, Scott Walker, not impressing me at all, because while you might say that Rand Paul and some of the other politicians are at least in favor of having some sort of legislation that ends bulk metadata collection. I think Rand Paul is a little more sophisticated and, and would tend to favor at least some sort of a modification of the third party doctrine, if not an elimination entirely. I mean, you know, heaven forbid actually eliminate a doctrine that's been active in this area for a whole few decades. I mean, that's like ancient history, right? So I'm, you know, talking some sort of blasphemy by saying that we should actually remove the third party doctrine from the entire business records context. But uh, Scott Walker entirely, he says, I don't stand with Rand. That might be the BuzzFeed paraphrase here, but I've got a BuzzFeed article that says, Scott Walker is saying that we need to have the capacity to collect information that can be used to identify individuals who are linked to enemy combatants who are going to do us harm. So he said that if he were in the Senate, he would not have supported Rand Paul's protest against the reauthorization of the Patriot Act. Um, Paul held the Senate floor for almost 11 hours. I bet that was quite a fundraiser for him, right? Uh, but Walker said it was, quote, incredibly important for national security that the government retain the legal authority to collect Americans' metadata en masse. Now, I wonder if he would now say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong after seeing the FBI article. I don't know. You know, again, if you are indiscriminately collecting data, it's not valuable. You need to have, I mean, I think I'm, I'm for a broad authority to collect data on people who are connected to terror. Um, and then again, have 
a lot of the usual safeguards now that they're using with bulk metadata, right? To make sure that you don't compromise the privacy of innocent people. But right now we are in this time of war, although we don't declare it, we don't wage it properly, certainly. So we need to have, you know, some sort of lenient data gathering. But this idea that you're just going to collect everybody's in bulk, it is worthless, only harmful, and it just infringes the rights of innocent people. So um, just know that that's Scott Walker. I don't know, you know, he, he if he does change his tune, he's going to be called on it, but it is a pretty naive position to say that you don't stand with Rand Paul on eliminating bulk metadata collection. I don't know where Jeb Bush is. I think he's pretty close on that as well. Let's take a look right now and see where, yeah, Steve Jobs didn't have a license plate. That was pretty good that he somehow was able to uh, to manage that. Um, they said here in the chat room talking about privacy. In terms of where we are now and the threat in our own country, I was pretty disturbed to see this story this week. This is from this local CBS in New York. And the headline is, FBI speaks to Bergen County high school students about ISIS recruitment threat. So think about this. The FBI, whose resources and time and everything is valuable, they are now spending time, at least in high schools in New Jersey, going there to talk to kids, high school kids, to warn them off of being recruited by ISIS because it's apparently seen as significant enough a threat that ISIS would go ahead and recruit today's high school students, just normal high school students here in the United States of America in 2015. Again, ISIS is a terrorist, jihadist, kind of living under a middle-aged you know, uh, morality group in the Middle East, I don't even know if you can call it middle-aged morality, middle-aged barbarism, and we are concerned enough that today's teenagers are susceptible to being recruited into this. It, I mean, I, I really kind of found it unbelievable, but that is where we are, that there is some recruitment going on. And in fact, another story that I have, uh, thanks to Pamela Geller, is that two so-called homegrown jihadists have been nabbed here in California on the way to join ISIS, say officials. Um, these guys were apparently in Anaheim and um, both of them 24 years old, so not quite high school age, a bit older than that. Uh, they were nabbed by the Orange County Joint Terrorism Task Force, tells us Fox News, uh, at LA International Airport, and I guess, oh, they were at two different airports. They went to two different airports. And they nabbed these two guys. I guess what they had wanted to do is they wanted to fly out and go join ISIS. Now, what do you guys think about this here in the chat room? Do you think when these guys are trying to fly out to go join ISIS that we should just let them fly out and go join ISIS um, and then just never let them come back? basically revoke their passports and say never again, or you think go ahead and just grab them. I mean, the, the good thing about grabbing them is that you can find out whatever information they may have and try to figure out who it is that's doing the recruiting, et cetera. But um, they were both in shackles in a packed federal courtroom in Santa Ana on Friday. Uh, 
One of them was arrested late Thursday at LA International Airport and was returned for a detention hearing Wednesday. Family and lawyer declined to comment. Uh, the other one, who appeared to listen intently to the judge, was held without bail. Uh, the attorney said she may seek his release with restrictions to assure that he attends court. So these guys might not even be held. Actually, he says return for a detention hearing. So these guys are not actually in custody right now. That's kind of disturbing, I think. Um, but they are conspiring to provide material support to the Islamic State group. That's what they have been uh, charged with. And they call them homegrown. So I guess this is a real danger. I mean, this is this shows you that when the FBI is going to high schools here in the United States, they are doing something to counter a real threat. This is the state that we're in. Now, let's see here. Rob Abiara says, if we were in a declared war, it would be cut and dried. They would be traitors. Total treason. And um, I think we have a new person here in the chat room, but I can't actually pronounce <laughs> the uh, the handle. It's R-L-W-I-N-K. Okay. He says, we need a politician who is willing to take a rationally courageous stand. We definitely do. I know that Ted Cruz has spoken about revoking the passports. Um, most airlines, says John, won't let anyone on board without a return ticket or an onward ticket. Oh, sure. They can buy a return ticket. But I would just say if you happen to know that they're going, you just let them go and then you revoke their, I mean, like they did with Edward Snowden. They did it with Edward Snowden. They revoked his passport. He's stuck in Russia. Why not revoke these guys' passports? I mean, they are trying to actually do violent things. And then John says, well, they, that policy would guarantee that they take whatever terror training they get elsewhere. Maybe. Maybe that's true. So the idea is you don't even want to let them get the training. But we definitely need to do something better with with these guys. I mean, what are you going to do here? You're going to put them in jail for a few years and you think that's going to work? Because I know in the prison system, there's a whole lot of conversion to Islam going on as well. I don't know that that's going to make a big difference. We need to really, really handle this threat. Um, Sign of a lost dog in the chat room says, let them all go. Don't let them come back. I mean, it'd be nice to let them all go and then just actually fight a real war against ISIS once they get over there. And then they won't be coming back. They will be destroyed with the rest of them. And I mean, that's really, that's really what they're bargaining for, right? Um, more things this week about ISIS. We have not only these homegrown jihadist threat, we have ISIS over in the Middle East seizing yet another Iraqi town. You just heard yesterday or the day before that they had seized the ancient town of Palmyra in Syria. And this is the town, of course, that they are worried about because of all of the uh, archaeological, valuable archaeological digs that are there, um, tons of ancient um, buildings, artifacts, etc. And what has ISIS done every time that they've had one of these sites full of ancient, um, you know, buildings, archaeological digs, artifacts, etc. They destroy it. And now what they're saying is um, 
Anbar province where ISIS made the most recent gains. I've got a CNN story here. Um, it was barely visible Friday from the Baghdad province side. They had a sandstorm, but there's this one bridge and then I guess it was shut down. They say ISIS from that side and from here, the road is blocked. So now there's a lot of people who are blocked and not even able to flee at all. And they're saying that ISIS is slowly inching towards Baghdad. Um, so they, they took control of someplace called Husayba, which is a small town about 11 miles east of Ramadi and about 14 miles west of Habanaya in an assault that involved car bombs and heavy machine gunfire. Um, this is the latest pushed east since it seized the key city of Ramadi. And then, of course, they're still keeping Palmyra. Um, so a lot of people are now fleeing to Baghdad. And then they're going to um, be headed towards some place called Al-Khalidaya. Um, so they are just gaining more and more ground in the Middle East. And some people are saying that pretty soon they're going to maybe even go towards Israel. And then what happens? Um, there is an infographic that USA Today put out, and I retweeted it. I put it out on Twitter if you want to go over to Amy Peakoff on Twitter. And it just shows you territory-wise the significant amount of territory that ISIS controls. And that was just as of April, so it doesn't even include these most recent gains. Um, there is actually on the CNN story a small map that you can expand and see the up-to-date um, presence in Iraq and Syria of ISIS. It is a vast amount of territory. Of course, a lot of that territory probably doesn't have a lot in it, but some of the towns are significant. And as I said, the big concern right now is a lot of the uh, valuable artifacts and ancient architecture that they're I mean, if, you know, if they're acting true to form, they're just going to go ahead and destroy it. Another story that we had, a beautiful story at the top of Dredge to head into our Memorial Day weekend is from the independent UK. ISIS claims it could buy its first nuclear weapon from Pakistan within 12 months. 12 months. <sighs> Build a bacon fence around them, says John here in the chat room. And nobody's been talking about the big picture, says R.L. Winkgoog. I can't pronounce this handle here in the chat room, but welcome. I haven't seen you before. But um, I'll let ISIS and Iran kill each other. That could be interesting. Are they going to, though? Or is ISIS going to team up with Iran? Do you think they're going to? I wonder if that could be what's actually going to go on. I don't know. Um, but I know over that at Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer had posted a story about the fact that ISIS is actually looking more all the time like what it claimed, it's you know claimed that it was going to be, which is a state. I mean, it calls itself Islamic State, and he, you know, the article that he was talking about there cites the fact that they have a hierarchy, they've got a whole military organization, they have, you know, like hospitals and tax systems and courts and welfare and they've like all these you know accoutrements of the modern sort of mixed economy welfare state system 
only of course the courts are run on Sharia and all of these wonderful, horrible things. Um, but they are, they're operating themselves like a real state. And in fact, they're saying that it looks more like a state than Iraq itself does in many ways right now, because Iraq is on its heels. It's really having a hard time. So, um, Pig fan says, yeah, don't forget that they're the JV. I mean, they're gaining ground all the time. We have supposedly been involved in airstrikes against them since, what, August of last year? And all this time, they just keep gaining more and more ground. Obama says, of course, that we're winning and everything's going great and fine and wonderful. Um it might be that the idea is that they're going to go ahead and let Iran and ISIS kill each other. Um, but, I mean, do we want to give Iran nukes and ISIS a nuke and then they nuke each other and then the whole place there is a glass parking lot with all kinds of fallout all over the Middle East? I don't know if that's their their goal or not. I think the, the main casualty is going to be Israel in there. Another headline says, just Jean, that she saw Obama dismisses fall of Ramadi in Iraq as a, quote, tactical setback. Well, if they, I, I mean, I don't know if, if, if Iran and ISIS are actually going to eliminate each other, that would be interesting. Um, have we seen any sign of this at all? Or is Iran kind of waiting to play its hand, so to speak? That's what I'd be interested to know. You guys, of course, if you want, you can call in 760-888-5817 as well. But here we are. So we've got, on the one hand, privacy is completely up in the air in our country right now. We have a bunch of politicians in Washington, as we speak, getting ready to vote on a bunch of legislation that really isn't going to matter very much one way or the other, because really, what is at stake between these guys? It's either that the government is going to collect all this stuff, or private companies are going to collect all this stuff. And either way, as far as I can tell, any of the privacy protections that were being promised through any of this legislation is stuff that's only going to make it harder for the good guys in our government to get information about potential terrorists, homegrown guys like these guys that the FBI just nabbed. Kudos to the FBI for, by the way, for finding these guys. Um, you know, but they need to be able to get information about people like that a lot more easily and they need to be able to leave the rest of us alone. Now is the idea that they don't want to discriminate, they don't want to profile. We need profiling. We need profiling in a time like this in order for all of us to be able to maintain at least somewhat normal lives. Our country's not waging a proper war, though. So, I, I mean, as I said, these are all interconnected. So how, do, how can we have this? How, how can we have security? How could we have privacy? Now, I don't know. I mean, it is, a, is a proper strategy of dealing with ISIS and Iran, both of which are dangerous to us, is a proper strategy of dealing with them to really kind of set them up to fight each other and then take each other out? Um, or... Do you think that if we were very straightforward about it, we could very easily use our military power and keep both of them in check and away from us? I mean, we could still let them fight each other if they want to, but this idea that they're going to be recruiting 
from high school kids in our country in order to go fight their wars and stuff over there or to do us harm over here. This is the sort of thing that we have not been doing a good job of, of controlling. And I, I just remember Cato. I, I would like to talk to those guys at Cato. Do you remember several months ago there was an article where the guys were saying, oh, you know, Islamic State and jihad and stuff, it doesn't pose an existential threat to the United States. Now, what would these guys, would they be able to keep any sort of a straight face and say, oh, yeah, that's true. When you show them the article about these homegrown guys, about the FBI having to go into our high schools to prevent normal Americans, just people born here from being recruited into this, how do you say that there's no threat or post Garland? I mean, just even talk to these guys post Garland. It does pose because if you think that part of what it is to exist as the United States is to exist with the ability to, you know, express ourselves, freedom of expression, it does. I mean, that's all there is to it. Um, John says in the chat room, if they're recruiting, then we caught two of how many, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know of how many. Um, oh, I, I do think I have a phone call here. I'm going to go ahead and take it. Let me see. Hi, who's this? Hey, this is Bosch. Oh, this is Bosch. So, you know, you didn't press the one. There is no one. Uh, I don't know. I called into the show and I guess whatever. Oh, okay. That's fine. Okay. Well, welcome. I'm sorry. So, so what, what do you, what do you, I, were you, were you listening when I was talking about, um, we have a new participant here in the chat room, by the way. Um, and I cannot pronounce his handle, so I'll just spell it out for you. It's R L W I N K G O G. And he was talking about the idea that, um, what we could do is try to foster a battle between ISIS and Iran and maybe that's what the big end game is, and that's what's going to solve all the problems. No, what do you think no, of that? We've been we, we've been playing that game for too long. I mean, we have to defend ourselves. We can't wait to create some something that might happen anyway on their own. Fine, if it happens, great. But we can't use that as the answer. You know, wipe out ISIS. He, he, he's he's saying we don't need we don't need to fo- we don't need to foster it. It will happen on its own. So yeah, we don't even we have, have to do to. anything to do it. Yeah, but we have to end the threat now because they're a threat to us. They've beheaded Americans. They've inspired the attack in Garland. This is what they're doing. We have, we have to stop them. And Iran's going to wipe them out? That's the idea. I don't it know. Happened. It probably won't happen. In the end, they are friends, blood brothers. I'm not, I don't care about the, the, uh, the, Shiite, the Shiite and Sunni break. When it comes to us, they will team up against us. Well, I was also concerned that when it comes to Israel, they will also team up. Sure. No doubt about it. He says, we need a politician. We we need a a politician with a courageous plan and that that there are many ways. I I agree that really right now, um, if, I mean, suppose that Iran and ISIS will eventually battle each other and and do serious damage to each other. We we can't wait for that. We can't. Now we have the power and we have, we don't have the will. And the reason why, you know, the reason why we're thinking about all these side issues is because we don't have the will. But the, the fact is, uh, Obama's not doing anything. We should be doing this. We can't rely on anything else to stop them but us. We, you know, because every time we don't want to do something, we pretend, oh, something else can happen. We can, we can push them towards that one place. No, enough. 
enough. We've been playing this game for too long. Americans are dying, and we're still playing this game. And way, I mean, uh, I think it's. You... Go ahead. I'm not going. I'm not going. No, I was. I was going to say that. Um, it is plainly, you know, it's plainly now that it is in the American self-interest. It's our self-interest in order to yeah. take. We need to take out ISIS. We have take to. Take both out. Um, no, but, no, but, no, we have to end Iran's threat and ISIS. I mean, we can do it both. We all you'd have to do well, is stop wall, Iran's yeah. nuclear program, basically. Yeah. Um, con- we yeah. Continue. That, and then we go there and make them pay for killing Americans for thirty years, vicarious, like, you know, through through uh, proxies. Right. I mean, they have to pay a price for that, and they never have. It's like Pakistan. Pakistan was hiding Osama Bin Laden for years. They they didn't pay a price for it. This is sick. And this right. is sick. Pakistan has to pay. Well, Pakistan well, is apparently they, maybe going to sell a nuclear weapon to ISIS. Well, why wouldn't they? They harbored Osama Bin Laden for years. Why wouldn't right. they? Right. Also, one thing uh, you you mentioned Donald uh, Dump before he was on uh, Megyn Kelly. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was yapping away. By the way, she was she's been critical of the Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation. Okay. And she gave a hundred thousand dollars to that to that foundation. Something that he didn't mention <laughs> in his in his criticism. He's an absolute louse. He's a he's an absolute hack. He'll do anything for a buck. A whore in that way. He's an absolute whore. And for the record. Um, uh, Fox did show my cartoon. You know how? How? Megan Kelly, because Megan Kelly was reciting the dialogue in my cartoon while looking down at her desk. It was on her desk, so it was on Fox. But you couldn't see it. No. No. But I know that there were some papers that she had. It it definitely looked when she was describing the cartoon. Yeah, I don't know if she was it. actually looking at it or was. looking at a description of it written by her producer. No. No, she wasn't. No? It was on Fox News. Yeah, it's official. Okay, so by transitive but, but it, property of equality, it was on yeah, Fox News, basically. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah okay. technically speaking. So, so I'm because we we were Megan. we were looking at Megan, and Megan was you, looking at the well. look. No, but this is it. We were looking at Megan. Megan was looking at the cartoon. So therefore, right. we were able to see the cartoon by transitive property oh. of Megan Kelly equality. Do That's you like it. it? Exactly right. Okay. Uh, one last thing, sorry, there was, there was a Jihad Watch story, just, just, I'm sorry, because I, uh, I was, I was on a hold, I wanted to get a few stories to you quick, but anyway, there was uh, a, a Muslim named, um, what's his name, what's his name, this, this rat, anyway, some Muslim, right, his last name is Parvez, his name is mm-hmm. Kashif Parvez, right, he's from, he's from New York City, even though they said New Jersey at one point, he, okay. uh, his wife was shot while he was walking with him, with his wife and his, and his toddler. He tried to blame it on an anti-Muslim attack when, in fact, he paid his girlfriend to shoot his wife dead while he was walking with his uh, toddler. Oh, my and gosh. his wife was killed, and now he's going to jail for life, this scum, because his girlfriend sold him out. Uh, and <sighs> he tried to blame it on Islamophobia, in other words. Try to blame it on Islamophobia. Just saying, of course. It just happened. He, he, was, he was just convicted. Oh my gosh. How how ugly is that? How that how, is, how Islamic is that? So in in a couple words, how is it that we are going to get security back? It's by what? Fighting a proper war against yes. this enemy. And given the fact that we've got Iran trying to get nuclear weapons, we have ISIS 
building up. I think I think it's got twenty five thousand uh, members, if active more, members of its more. military, if not active more, members, right? Yeah, but but also inspiring across the West, inspiring Muslims like the guys in Garland, inspiring them to commit, you know, horrific, horrific acts. So it's 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 beyond the the. the idea so where where would you where would you go first? Would you? I, would, I mean, I I would, I would say if if I was a president, I think I'd want to do both. I'd want to fight a absolutely. decisive war, like te- team up with Israel and just defeat ISIS. Sure, why not? Team up sure. with Israel, defeat ISIS. Forget forget teaming up with any of these other guys in the Middle East. Every buddy, everybody in the Middle East besides Israel, with whom we've ever teamed up, has ended up later using whatever resources we gave them when we teamed up against us later. It always backfires, you know. I mean, Pakistan. Pakistan, right? How much have we been giving to Pakistan forever? And we just keep giving them stuff and giving them stuff. And now maybe they're going to sell a nuke to ISIS. I mean, this is insane. So there's that. And and then we also have to work to uh, stop that silly, I mean, silly nuclear program of Iran. Somebody's got to stop it before it happens. In in terms of this enemy and the threat and in terms of even the uh, the terminology, uh, Peter Schwartz, Wrote uh, two essays on the terminology debate that I've been, you know, basically trying to have almost a one-man uh, argument against. Stop using Islamic terrorism. Use Islam right. as such, you know. And I always refer to it. You know, people assume that I, I that I say the enemy is Islam. No, I don't say. That. I say the enemy's ideology is Islam. The enemy is jihad, jihadist. It's a. It should be a war on jihad. And now, if, if, if people if people have missed that, because it's now getting uh, close to the top of the hour, and I want to get through a few more stories, but if people have missed that particular debate and they want to go look at it, what is Peter Schwartz? Is it PeterSchwartz.com or yeah, what's his I, website? I believe it is. I believe PeterSchwartz.com? Yeah. So S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z, yeah. PeterSchwartz.com? I, I believe so. Okay. Check it out. Okay. Check it out. And just... Uh, Enter the debate, you know, just uh, let's just let's just keep at it until we break it down to the core, which is Islam. That's the enemy's ideology, Islam, not some deviant form. And then in, in terms in terms of a politician with a proper foreign policy out there, Cruz's, as articulated in some of the recent yeah. interviews and articles that I've seen, is the closest to the foreign policy that we've discussed many times on this show, which comes from an article that Alex Epstein uh, wrote with Euron Brook years ago. Um, And I I forget, it's like um, Just War Theory and American Self-Defense, something like that that's available through the the objective standard. And they talk about waging a war solely on American self-interest. You don't do this nation building. You do whatever is necessary to eliminate the threat to us with minimal loss of life on our side. So, yeah, you know, sometimes some of the enemy civilians might have to be killed. It's not that you're going to go explicitly target them unless that's necessary to eliminate the threat, right? But that's that's part of war. Um, So if you ever want to go read that, I think it's called Just War Theory and American Self-Defense, your own book, Alex Epstein. And if you compare that, what they promote there in terms of foreign policy, with what Ted Cruz has said. Ted Cruz yeah. sounds like someone who would who take this it. threat seriously. Mm-hmm. He would take decisive action against he's like, he's both like, ISIS and Iran. And the like other thing is the article. 
Like, yeah, he sounds like someone who read the article, and he, and he doesn't sound like a nation-building neocon. And we do not see me. We don't. We don't need any more nation building neocons, and we also don't need, you know, see no evil, hear no evil. You know, put your head in the sand. Either a Ron Paul type, or you know, may as well Obama be that type right now because Obama. Oh yeah, let's do a few little targeted airstrikes. Pretend we're doing something and tell everybody that we're winning, even though we're not. I think the latest, I couldn't even bother to put it into the notes for this week. It was so disgusting. Obama's going around telling Israel, I guess that they're not being Jewish enough because they're being too self-assertive and they shouldn't be having, you know, the settlements and all these different things. And And that, that, sorry. And that Obama is the first Jewish president. Yes. I mean, I, I, I really do. I feel like I'm in 1984. You know, the the USA Freedom Act is not at all about freedom. Um, he yeah. says he's the first Jewish president. And in fact, I think he's probably more yeah, anti-Semitic than anything. So um, he certainly... And out there, uh, if you haven't read my interview with the Objective Standard, check it out. It's it's available online. It'll be in the print edition as well. I, I think it's called Bosch Fawson on Islam and Jihad with Craig Biddle. I think it's I think it's an excellent interview. I, I think I, I've said things in, in, in there that I really haven't put together quite that way. So check it out. Yeah. Now, um, you have been doing a pile of press recently. So what else have you done this week? Well, that I did a Tom Trento, an hour interview. It was on uh, Internet TV, his uh, channel, the United West. I also did, did a conference call today, which is somewhat of a private thing. So it was, it was for individuals who were engaging and on their own uh, against against the, the threat that we face. And a few other things. Uh, I have another interview coming up. Uh, I can't say exactly which publication until I think they, they, they release it, which will be good. But uh, no more TV uh, invites after I told them you won't show my cartoon, I won't. But, I won't but, but, but the Trento, it. the Trento was on video, right? Yes. Yes. And they showed. So they sh- they showed it. Yeah. Right. They yeah but, yeah but the first cartoon they showed was uh, Mickey Mouse. They said that that was my cartoon of Muhammad. So I was like, oh okay. <laughs> and also, for the record, when uh, when uh, Tom Trento asked me, he goes, looking at you, wouldn't necessarily think you're you're, you're Muslim. What I should have said was what I said yesterday on, on Facebook. Well, after I left Islam, uh, my race changed. You know, I was, right. I was Arab, and then I left. Well, Islam, that was and now I'm light skinned with red hair. But but Pamela Geller said something similar during the Garland event because yeah. she said something like, "What is it? I say the Shahada, and then suddenly my race changes." You know, <laughs> right, it, right. That, right. It, so it's, it was it was from her. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. So let me let me get through a last few stories sure. here, and I want to actually end this show on a positive note, which I am able to do today, thankfully, because I've got a couple of cool stories towards the end here. So, um, but first, I wasn't I have able a, to interrupt you a lot today. I'm sorry, I wasn't able to interrupt you a lot today. <laughs> Why why do you think I waited so long to answer the phone other than that you didn't press one? Get me off the Um, air before before I interrupt (laughs) more. No. Um, okay. No. So, so one one story that I wanted to get to here is you know there's this ongoing California drought, and I don't know how the recent rain in California has affected this at all, but apparently it's still you know drought. So the, the headline of this Associated Press story is. California farmers strike a deal to cut water use. And this is not, I mean, we always think about a deal, right? A deal is 
somebody offers you something of value and you offer them something of value in return. And if both parties agree that the thing of value that the one wants is just as good as or better than the thing of the value that, right? Whatever, you, you make a deal. You both offer values to each other. This is not a deal. What is going on right now is the government has said, okay, farmers, you have historically had rights to water because you have water rights, you know, per common law, right, you know, property rights to water and stuff going back a hundred plus years. But we choose state of California, state of California chooses, we're just not going to recognize these anymore. And you can have it one of two ways. You can pretend you're making a deal with us, in which case we'll let you keep some of your water or don't make a deal with us and then we'll make it much worse and you won't really be able to have much water at all. That is not a deal at all. Uh, let me read to you the beginning of the piece here. It says, California farmers who hold some of the state's strongest water rights. Now, why do you have to say strongest water rights? They're either rights or they're not rights, right? Strongest you know, whatever. Um, so they they avoided they avoided the threat of deep mandatory cuts, right? You, you know, because the state said, "Look, you you know, we're going to make it a lot worse on you and just completely obliterate your rights." Uh, deep mandatory cuts. When the state accepted their proposal Friday to voluntarily reduce consumption by twenty five percent amid one of the worst droughts on record, so they are strong arming farmers who have actual rights to all this water to make them not use. 25% of the water that they have a right to use. And the only thing that they're offering them is, hey, we could completely obli you know, obliterate it and maybe we'd only let you have 25% of what you're actually entitled to. And then it says officials hope that the deal will serve as a model for more such agreements with growers in the nation's top producing farm state. So basically they are trying to get some of these guys, these leading farmers. Does this sound like out of Atlas Shrugged or does it sound like out of Atlas Shrugged? You try to get some of the leading people to give up to quote, make deals with the government. And then when all the other ones see that the big guys have made the deals, then they're willing to go ahead and sign everything over as well. This is ridiculous. And you know, one of the best, I guess, contenders uh, for 2016, who's really been outspoken on this issue is Car Carly Fiorina. And she pointed out uh, we know which many people have pointed out, but she's I think the only person in politics who's been really railing on it, which is that here in California, we have not developed any new big water projects, no development in, in you know producing water for California. And yet we have continued to grow the population of California decade after decade after decade. It's totally irresponsible. And now when there's no water, what does the government do? They go and they actually steal it from agriculture. Now, when they steal it from agriculture, what happens? The price of all of everything that we're going to buy in the stores goes up. All because, you know, and, and there were a lot of bond initiatives and everything else that were supposedly supposed to pay for new water development. They haven't done it. They haven't done it at all. And instead, they're just strong arming. Um, here's another horror story. And this one is from the other coast in Florida. Here's the headline. After a week in jail, Florida mom agrees 
to son's circumcision. It says a Florida woman's years-long battle against her child's father over the boy's circumcision ended Friday with her agreeing to the procedure in exchange for her release from jail. Can you believe this? This mother, this mother, all she wanted to do was prevent her son from having an unnecessary surgery. And she, yes, and she went to jail for it. And this, listen to this. This is the way the, the article is written. I can't even believe, this is the Miami Herald. This is the way they write. In a remarkable turnaround after a week behind bars for contempt and an initial hearing in which she was ordered to remain jailed, court reconvened and a sobbing Heather Hieronymus signed a paperwork giving approval for the surgery, recoiling in tears and clasping her shackled hands after it was done. Can you believe this? I can't even believe this. So, and she still, she was still in jail after that, but then it, her, her release was likely later in the day. They put her in jail because she would not agree to the mutilation of her boy, who is now four years old. They're going to do this to a four-year-old. Can you imagine the trauma this kid is going to experience? I, I mean, I, just, I think it's just really, really barbaric that they're doing this. So this is going on in Florida, in United States now. They jailed a woman who all she wanted to do is just prevent her son from being circumcised. Uh, ridiculous. Here's um, a better story, a little bit better story. We have a an 11-year-old who is graduating with three degrees from college. Can you believe that? Three degrees from American River College. This is in uh, Sacramento. 11-year-old boy is receiving three degrees. He became the youngest graduate at American River College this year by far. Um, So his his name is Tanishk Abraham. He graduated from high school at the age of 10 and now has his sights set on a medical degree. He says, uh, even even on the first time I came to college class, I wasn't really nervous. So this isn't much of a big thing to me, he says. <laughs> he graduated with a perfect 4.0 GPA. Um, and his mother, of course, wasn't surprised. She says, even in kindergarten, he was pretty ahead, two years ahead, and just went from there. And they have a posted a whole picture of the family celebrating their graduation on uh, Twitter he calls himself on on Twitter. His handle is I Science Lover, L U V R, and he and he looks like a happy kid. And I, I guess it's made in the spirit of Apple, right? I Science, the little lowercase I, big S for I Science Lover. That's that's pretty fun. Um, and another encouraging statistic. This is a pretty darn encouraging statistic. This is from Breitbart. Number of homeschooled children soars in America up 61.8% over the last 10 years. Um, Newly released data from the U.S. Department of Education shows that between 2003 to 2012, the number of American children between ages 5 to 17 or are homeschooled has risen 61.8%. The percentage homeschooled in that age range has has, uh, increased from 2.2 to 3.4%. So it's still a fairly low percentage. And, And here's the thing, right? 
in a normal time, um, the idea of keeping your kids at home and schooling them yourself probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Um, because not a whole, I mean, there's a lot of people who would love to do it. And actually maybe 3.4% would actually be actively interested and capable of doing it. Um, but you would hope maybe that people who make a full career out of being teachers and especially teachers in particular subjects could be the ones who are teaching your kids all the various subjects. That's good. Right now, today, we have the government schools sucking in many states, right? In, in California, for example, it's over 40% of the total tax revenue of the state goes to the government school system. So imagine how much wealth is being sucked out of California and funneled into these schools, which a lot of them are not doing the kids any good at all. So in this climate, right, where we're taxed a whole lot in order to pay for schools that aren't really teaching our kids, then you can't really afford to pay for expensive private schools. If you can, maybe you're going to try to stay home and, and homeschool your kids. The other thing that's true about today is that even if you yourself are not an expert enough in math and science and these other things, the internet and technology has made it so easy for anybody who is fairly well educated to access great curricula developed by a lot of specialists. So you can homeschool your kid with these curricula developed by all these specialists in the different fields. Mystery science is one of the ones that we've talked about here on this show. Um, so if you want to teach your kids science at home, you can look up mystery science and, and find a lot of good material. Um, so, yeah, homeschooling in today's world where, you know, I mean, think about this again, you know, go back to the earlier story in the government, in the government schools right now, the situation is so bad that, uh, oh, you know, I'm actually almost out of time here. Is that right? No, no, I got 16 minutes left. Okay. Um, I got some kind of weird notification. I was thinking, oh my gosh, my show is almost over. Um Right now, in our government schools, the situation is so bad that the FBI thinks it's a serious threat that our kids are going to be recruitable by ISIS. That is, I think that shows the sorry state of public education today, you know, the what, what they're getting in government schools. Whereas if you teach them at home, you can give them a much better foundation, a much better love for learning and excitement about their lives and their future. And you can instead turn out a kid who is ready to graduate from college at 11 if he wants to, or do any one of many other number of things, maybe not even go to college at all. Just go out there and be a success without an education. So I find this in today's context to be a very good sign. I wouldn't necessarily in any culture say, oh, you know, we want everybody to be homeschooled. Um, it is cool. There's a lot of people who really want to do it and are very motivated to do it. And for them, I think it's wonderful. And there's so many great resources for them today. But today, in particular, I think it is, in many cases, essential in order for kids to get a good education. They don't necessarily have access, either financially or geographically or whatever, to quality private schools. Um, our government is taxing us so much that they make it unaffordable. So, I think it's a wonderful development. You agree, Bosch? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't want to interrupt. You know. <laughs> you You're roll. so bad. Um, in the chat room here, R 
L. Winkgoog, as he says. Uh, the high school students get today is stale generalities. That's really all that they get. Um, and John says, yeah, yeah you don't boring. really have to worry about your kid when they're sitting right next to you. It's boring as hell. Beer Hunter says, don't don't type Mystery Science 3000 or your kids will watch robots and some guy from Minnesota. <laughs> it's true. Oh. Just Jean says, my expert prediction is that California will waste the next El Nino. El Nino is what? An opportunity to collect more water. Yeah. Um, no, we really do need to, to grab it. Uh, John says, that's my line in the sand. The children will not go to public school. <sighs> he says, I just finished my 20th year of homeschooling. That is wonderful. And I assume, John, that over those 20 years that the resources available to you to help you in doing a better job with it have been improving and improving. And that's what I love. Now, what we can talk about in another show is all of us who are counting on all the wonderful resources available for us on the internet and the threat to free speech posed by net neutrality. I'm already hearing rumblings about that. So that might be something we're gonna have to take up in a future show. Um, By the way, um, Daniel says watching Mystery Science 3000 is an improvement over public schools, though. Looking at, <laughs> uh, looking at a headline on Breitbart, it's Guffield. He says, why shame surveillance programs? Why shame them? And the response and hmm. the and the messages are really they're just disgusting with him, which, which is great because he, he's trying to justify this. He's been a defender. He's been a defender of bulk metadata collection. Yeah, he because, has. And you know what? They, they they just caught some bad guy, and he's, he tried to attribute it to that as if police work, normal police work, wouldn't wouldn't have done that. Pathetic. Now it's interesting. Um, again, our, our our new. I wish I had. I'm gonna, I'm just going to call him Goog. That's the last four letters of, of his handle here in the chat room. He says, well, what do we offer these kids? Um, he says, ISIS sounds adventurous. So we need a politician oh, who would kick kick their butt. Uh, now, listen to this. Now, now first sorry, of all, first of all, buy uh, into that, even as a joke. No, 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 no. But, but, but he says, he says we need a politician who would kick their butt. Well, let me tell you one thing. First of all, um, the other day I was looking through an old box of memorabilia and I found the presidential physical fitness badge that I got from Reagan, okay? And I was actually inspired to get that darn thing. Am I a geek or sure. what? No, I mean, it's cool. He was a, he was a cool person compared to, to, to the jokers we've had after. Uh, his, his name is Richard, he says. So, hi, Richard. Welcome. Yay. Now I can actually... Um, talk to him like a person well, this idea, so this idea no no but I, but but i mean but, but you think about this right cultures. if they appeal to anyone they appeal to imbeciles Absolutely well okay imbeciles. but but i think but i think what he's getting at right what I, I think richard's getting at is sort of along the lines of what michael heard was writing this week right remember when heard was saying that in order to counter the absolutism of isis you have to have yes. an exactly no opposite absolutism so so no, yeah and, and certainly absolutely evil that's the difference that's the point they are absolutely evil there's no appeal of there. course and so and so what no, and what you need if, to do is you need to give them to you, a picture of absolute good yes and we haven't 
I mean, there are individuals well, in a culture which which are called certainly, yes, but, but but I mean, I mean, think think about this, right? Let's look at the eleven year old kid, and he's got his little handle on Twitter, I science lover, right? He, I think, in that was inspired by Steve Jobs, and sure. yes, is was Steve Jobs completely a hundred percent good? No, he had his flaws and everything, but overall, when you when you look at his accomplishments and you look at his speeches, that wonderful commencement address where he talks about having the love of career and accomplishment in your life, it is so inspiring. So much yeah. of what he did. And what I'm and saying so here is that, I mean, that's what we offer. That is what off. we offer kids. Cutting heads off is inspiring. No, of course not. That's what they do. That's that. There was a picture. I don't know if you saw the old day. They were advertising it. Children holding heads of people that they beheaded in the streets, laughing, running, children. No, I know. If that inspires you, you are a sick, twisted person who belongs with ISIS. I don't give a crap where you come from, if you're lost, if that appeals to you, go, go. And so that would be your answer is to go ahead and let them go over there and just never let them come back. No, yeah. no. Well, yeah. well, if these guys, like, yeah. like Americans, they have joined the enemy. They want to join the enemy. We have to take care of these guys. We can't let them go free. They're going to commit an act here at a, at a cafe like the guy in right. uh, Australia did. Right. Right. So we've got to either lock them up forever or but send them over there say, and fight them there. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I, I like what yeah. Herd wrote, and it's absolutely true. You know, you, you answer with, with absolutism. Yes. But there is no appeal there. What the hell does ISIS, you know, what kind of appeal do they have? They're butchers. But but the, I, th I, th I, think, I think what happens is, I mean, and this no, is supposedly they're, how they're they go right get radicalized. Evil. They're right, right, right. But what they're looking for, well, and that's the thing, we have to see people who are righteously good. And certainly in the government school system, they are never given examples of any yeah. sort of righteous goodness. Whereas in real life, there are still some examples of righteous goodness out there that we can expose kids to. And, yes, and it, might be that, it might be that homeschooling is the only way to do that. But there are enough of the good examples where meaning that can counteract any kind of potential appeals on my half for the scumbags and ISIS. Because these, these, these youth, they understand there are, there's, there's good and evil to some extent. They can't actually believe that joining ISIS is a good thing. There's something within them that, that they find appealing about that. Those guys are monsters. You know what? Again, okay. You want to go for I don't, it. I don't know if, I don't know if you remember hearing this years ago, um, Leonard Peikoff used to talk about the fact that he actually liked horror movies when he was young. And the reason that he liked it was it, it was because it wasn't just the quote, boring, you know, neighbors next door or whatever. Like he felt like, I guess he was just surrounded by all sorts of things that were kind of boring yeah. and stale and not that interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so I Sorry. think what, what Richard's talking about is that if everything around you Hold is boring on. and stale and uninteresting, and yeah. then the only thing that is interesting is ISIS, the then somehow, even though it's movies that were entertaining and that Shoot. the well, monsters were beaten. Horror movies. These guys are actual monsters. I in know. real life, and they behead people. There's nothing they do that's appealing. And again, if you find it appealing, you are twisted, and you do belong with them. 
What I'm saying is right. they can't appeal to anyone good. You got okay. to be poison. They cannot appeal to anyone good. Well, they but can't. I mean, do, do, don't you don't you agree that in today's school environment and progressive education environment that there's more of a chance that people are going to actually try to go join them than yeah, there would be the if we had is, proper schools? Well, again, they get no examples, but if they stop to think for a second and see what these guys actually do and go with them, they are monsters because they can't go there and say, well, let, look, you know, life's boring here. I mean, instead of just smoking weed, let me go cut some heads off. You're evil. I mean, you're, you're, you're evil. And it's not an, an excuse. We're, we're giving these kids excuses and saying, well, you know, we're not really teaching them anything. So, you know, that's why they go there. That's pathetic. It's pathetic. Those guys are butchers well, and it, it, that war with us. But my point is not just that we're not teaching them anything, that in fact the schools today are actively working to destroy their brains. Yeah, and also to the schools themselves in a lot of ways are just in the culture is are justifying ISIS. They are justifying them because we're not destroying them. We're not we're not condemning them. We're not calling them monsters and evil. The general public, we're not. There's something we must have did something to bring ISIS about. So right. on that level, you know, we're not we're not teaching these kids. But again, you see ISIS. If you know anything about ISIS and you want to go join them, you are a monster and a would-be monster, and you're out of bounds. And I don't care if there's no justification. Well, you know, the education has been no good. So you know, I I can see why they would want to join ISIS. No, 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 because that's that's crossing the line into becoming a monster. And there's no Justification is no excuse. There's no rationalization. One can say, well, eh, our culture is a little corrupt, so therefore I, I, I can see them doing that. I can't see them doing that. I think you're a monster. I mean, what I could see is that because of what the schools have done, they've been actively destroying Would you uh, have kids. joined ISIS do you, out, of, out of boredom? Of course, of course, never. Of course, never. No, but listen, no listen. Do you, do, you, do you remember? No one, do you no remember? Hey. Just one second. Do you remember when there was the piece in the New York Times where this one guy, he was horrified that the schools basically are not teaching right from wrong and, and yes, they're actively yes. trying was, to. Okay. So, so not only are the schools destroying the kids ability to think in particular, they're destroying the kids ability to distinguish right from wrong. Yeah. And then imagine you've got these hormonal you know, male teenagers, and you start promising them the ability to have women's sex slaves and all this stuff, which is the whole thing that's going on right now. There was some headline of an article, and I didn't read it. It was like, ISIS promises uh, women guns and something else. I can't remember. And this is how they attract people. So I could imagine that, you know, kids you know, there's kids at some sort of a vulnerable developmental age where they could go one way versus the other. And if you have the school system that we have today, more of them I are likely to go down the bad path. Yeah, but that's not, that's, that's not a bad path. Bad path is, you know, getting drugged up and all that and doing, committing some crimes. Okay, but ISIS that, but no, but no, but what I'm saying is... I know the appeal. This is, I mean, these are Americans. Okay, but civilized country. If I know. they find ISIS appealing, they're monsters. There's nothing that our culture has made except something in them. 
is so weak and brittle that they cannot see those guys are monsters and to be stayed clear from. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because this is just unacceptable, the idea that, well, our culture is corrupt and, you know, we understand why they would go join ISIS. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Those guys are butchers. They have nothing to offer. And if you think otherwise, you belong with them, whether you go or not, but you belong with them. I don't care if you're in your teens or, or late teens or 20s, whatever. You are evil. And you that that evil appeals to you. Okay, but that but then the question is, how did they get evil, and what sort of guidance were they given well, they're weak. that they're weak? They're weak. They're definitely weak. They're, and then they were given weak. they were given the exactly wrong type of guidance at certain key points in their lives, yeah, and then they continue to make yeah, then and then they continue. We all were. Well, we all were a lot of us it, grown up. I was. I was it has been it has Jews been getting progressively scum. worse. It has been getting progressively worse. I was told worse. that Jews were scum, women are worthless. This is what I was taught when I was a kid. I didn't end up a monster. Oh, I've I only got about I've, I've I've only got enough about ninety seconds left. So you you are definitely an exception. Um, we're going to recycle back to our our good news, which is again homeschooling on the rise in the United States. It is part of the hope for the future. Everyone, thanks for hanging in for the extra little bit long discussion here we have today. Um, if you want to go ahead and join in next week, we will be back here again. Go to don'tletitgo.com to the continue the discussion for tonight. And we thank you. Have a good evening, everyone. And happy Memorial Day. I'll see you listening to your own book on Monday. <laughs>